Welcome to Unnecessary Angst, the podcast. Oh, so we got two for two. <laughs> we are master podcast recorders oh, right now. We're getting Look fancy. Up, we're getting profesh. As okay, we anyway. cackle in laughter right afterwards. Well, we're already a drink deep, so. That is true. That is true. So, for context for all of our listeners, um, everything that we say in this beginning part of the podcast is going to be exactly the same as last week's because we're recording chapters 18 and 19 of The Cruel Prince by Holly Black right after we just finished recording chapter 17 because mm-hmm. uh honestly we just needed to keep reading um there was so much interesting stuff to talk about <laughs> we just wanted to keep going so it wasn't talk- because we were really tired <laughs> no it has nothing to do with us being really tired or grumpy or just not having free time not that at all it's just because we really wanted to read and talk about the book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the only reason <laughs> Um, So anyways, we'll give very quick updates on what we're drinking and and where our lives are at. Uh, Julia, why don't you go first? I am drinking a Moscato Dasi. Um, I guess, I mean, my week has been the same because it's the same time that we recorded this. But I will say, like, for the week coming up, my plans are to work on more assignments. I believe in you. (laughs) I wish I had something more exciting to talk about, but I literally have nothing. I guess I can say, like, the, this next week will be my one-year anniversary being, I, I want to say in quarantine, but my dad would yell at me because it's not really quarantine, but being at home mm-hmm. and, like, not working in the office. Like, one year ago was when I left the office for the last time ever because I also left my job to go back to graduate school last summer, so... Yep. That was the last time I was in the, the office, besides picking up my stuff very briefly. But right. I don't count that. That doesn't count, so. though. It's That's, been weird. Yeah. It's one year. Oh, God, we've been home for way too long. <laughs> it is. It's been a long... I'm restless. I am fed up. I'm ready to leave. I had a... Um, I don't think I'm getting this, but I had a co-op interview with a company in berlin i was like please let me go to berlin (laughs) let me out of the united states of america (laughs) let me go anywhere true have you heard back from any of the places in cali no (laughs) i haven't heard back from anything it's been weird i think like there's fewer positions and higher competition right now yeah which really sucks like i don't know if i know anyone who has gotten anything for a co-op which is that's so wild. unfortunate yeah so well I don't know what's going on. fingers crossed hire it me. all works out <laughs> yeah everyone hire julia she's amazing i can attest to it even though i've never like officially worked you with never her worked with me <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> i've seen the things i've seen your graphic design skills your social media posts she's capable of doing many a thing that confound me so hire her <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. I'm gonna put you on my like my website under quotes page. One of my coworkers just put me down as a reference for a job, and I'm like, wait, oh. are you leaving me? That's so sad. I knew she'd leave one day. It's fine. I've gotten over it. Um, it is what it is. Anyways, I'm yeah still drinking a spiced apple cider. Uh, which, though, now that I've 
drinking half the bottle because uh, it's a 500 milliliter cider so it's a nice long one big one um i'm really starting to taste the spice in the apples like it really tastes like when you have like warm apple cider for like christmas or you know i, I don't know if you did this as a child but um you like when your parents get glühwein in a christkindlmarkt and you have to get <laughs> yeah. the warm apple cider it tastes yeah. like that <laughs> yeah for all of our german <laughs> Oh, I love the little mugs the most at those. I know. Oh, I miss that. Oh my god, we need to go at Christmas time to Germany sometime. I would love to. I can't. A year ago, traveling. I want to travel. Uh, Oh, we should uh, shout out to my friend Carly. We should take my friend Carly and her boyfriend. Yes. To Germany at Christmas time because she wants to go with her with her boyfriend and I was like I will go with you guys and then we can give them a little tour and I'll go too and that way you don't have to third wheel yes. exactly. I'll be your date you get what I'm saying <laughs> yeah let's do it okay anyway great great plan no, um, speaking speaking of vacations uh once my uh, my little ward that I have staying with me has spring break. <laughs> Listen, I read too much Regency. I don't know how to use other words. I don't. My ward. That's what they're called. <laughs> okay. Uh, but for her spring break, we're going to, I think we're going to do a little, like, long week. Because I can't take a whole week off for her spring break, obviously, because mm-hmm. I have too much work to do. But I'm going to try to get two days off so we can do, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and drive down the, the Pacific Coast Highway and go stop at some beaches. Oh, my God, that's my dream. That sounds yeah. so nice. Mm-hmm. You should rent a top-down, a top-down, a top-off car, a, a convertible. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and be like a, a real road trip. That's extra money that I do not want to spend. I, I did it with, when I went with Leslie to California. Yeah, and see, I have the to difference say, like, is, it was nice. The difference is you didn't have a car in California already. No. <laughs> it's true. I have one. It works fine. <laughs> yeah. It has a sunroof. I can open that. You know, stick my hand <laughs> okay. out, go crazy. <laughs> Same thing, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, so that's spring break plans in the next couple of oh. weeks. And um, otherwise, I've just been working so much. There's so much work. Basically, for my current audit project, um, normally we have five to six controls is, like, max, and that's about Mm -hmm. 150 to 200 hours worth of work. It's a lot, but it's, like, we get it done. I have 11 controls. We get it done. I have 11 controls, which correlates to 347 hours of work, and it was supposed to have been done in, like, a month and a half, which is uh, not reasonable. So I've been dying, <laughs> as all of my coworkers can attest to. <laughs> um, I'm but sorry. We're, we're nearing the end. It's the, uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're slowly getting there. So I'm very excited to take mental breaks and read books because I've desperately needed them. Not that chapters 18 and 19, which we're going to talk about now, um, were a mental break because they were nope. not. Not even a roller close. coaster. Oh, they were messy. But uh, why don't we just dive right into it? Julia, do you want to okay. do the synopsis for chapter 18? I shall. 
So Jude once again wakes up groggy. I mean, she didn't wake up groggy in seventeen, but she woke up flustered, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a. She's getting to be like Evelyn in the last <laughs> book that we read. Like, Is this just a thing for YA heroines I, that we've missed somehow that they all just know. start chapters waking up? Gosh, and in some kind of stupor. <laughs> what the heck? Seriously. So after crying herself to sleep, and immediately Narbonne shows up in her room saying Prince Dane is demanding to speak with her downstairs. This poor girl. She gets dressed quickly and goes to Dane and immediately says that she has done wrong and will repent. And he whips around with rage in his eyes and yells at her. She knows Maddox won't save her if Dane tries something because she has sided with the mortals over him. Also, do you love how every time I write something in the synopsis, I'm like, oh, Jude knows this, even though Jude is constantly guessing at everything that she says. Like, none of this is ever true. (laughs) It turns out Dane is talking about Valyrian. um, And not what she thought. And saying Jude should not have stabbed him. She stands up for herself, though is super happy. He doesn't know what she just did and tries to explain why she stabbed him, but he doesn't care. He glamours her, glamours her to stab herself in the hand, and then right before she does it, he releases the glamour, still expecting her to do it out of loyalty. She realizes that this is not loyalty and so hesitates, but she wants to figure out a way to defeat all of them. And continuing to be afraid and trying to be better than them isn't working. Wow, Jude. That's not even so gross. Stabbed- That's just dumb. It's all dumb. So, so she stabs her hand. <laughs> Knowing she deserves punishment, even if it isn't for the crime she is accused of now. Can I sidebar for just one second? The quote that this is associated with, like, this whole situation where she's like, I don't want to, like, be afraid of them anymore. I want them to, like, live in fear of me or, like, some whatever that specific quote is, is, like, everywhere over Etsy for this book because I was looking it up last night. This is not (laughs) something that we should be glorifying. Like, no part of this, please. And thank you. Internet, let's not. Okay, sidebar over. Thank you toxic books he tells her not to reveal her skill with the blade or any of her mastery and he wants her to appear powerless and she wraps her hand and tells her to go put moss on the wound mm-hmm. oriana walks in and almost scolds dane for spending so much time with jude right before coronation and jude tries to leave but oriana wants them all to have a cup of tea <laughs> Dane leaves, and then Jude realizes he doesn't trust her anymore, but she doesn't really trust him either. No. Instead of going and treating her wound, she goes to lie down in her room because she thinks if she just waits it out, the wound will feel better. She's such an idiot. She starts thinking about the coronation the next day, how many people are coming to Elfham, and how she will be expected to party for the next month to celebrate, breaking out all of her best dresses. She falls asleep and wakes up with her hand hurting a bit less and Vivi in her room because she had to come check on her. She apologizes for putting her in danger and Vivi says she is the oldest and Jude doesn't need to protect her from things and she wishes she could be as brave as Jude sometimes. I don't think you do, girl. She's not brave. She's reckless. She's stupid. (laughs) Jude asks if she means about Heather and Vivi talks about how she almost thought she could tell her a few days ago when Heather was touching her ears, but Heather just assumes she has had surgery to get them modified. 
Vivi is scared Heather will be afraid of her. Taryn calls out saying the dresses are ready and Vivi notes they are now going on another adventure. Jude puts a glove over her bandaged hand and heads downstairs. Which, we can talk about this, but the whole Heather situation, very different from what just happened. So different. Whatever. (laughs) Teenagers. (laughs) Um, Everyone got exactly what they ordered. Perfect dresses and suits, except for Jude, who is now holding up a white to blue ombre dress, which is not what she ordered. Which reminds her of Locke's mother's dress. Hmm. It has cheese stenciled on it and little crystals reflective of stars, so it looks like the night sky. She loves it, but notes it really isn't hers, but apparently her name was on it. Maddox notes they will all look great and ruffles Jude's hair. (laughs) Oriana calls them over and warns them to be extra careful during the coronation because the gentry of other courts may not know they are under Maddox's protection. So they need to be mindful of bargains, promises, lures, and also not lures lures and also not breach any hospitality rules i'm just really bummed about not getting to see the dress that was designed for her i know the one that looks like battle armor like that i wanted I that so bad Ugh, sorry these are when like fi- like um drawings fan drawings are are good yeah i mean i don't really look them up but yeah Oriana then tells Jude not to aspire above her station, and Jude realizes she thinks that Jude is sleeping with Dave. <laughs> Oriana notes that being with the royalty is lonely, and would be especially lonely few allies for a mortal girl. Oriana reveals before she married Maddox, she was a consort to the High King, and in that role, she was a pawn and always in danger. We're getting a lot of backstory here. Mm-hmm. This news shocks Jude. Oriana says she never gave him a child, but Another almost did and was poisoned for it. Not at the court, people are always drinking poison or bile, and it wouldn't suit Jude. Jude asks why, and Oriana, instead of, say, of, instead of answering, says that Maddox must have loved their mother very much, given how much he loves all three of the girls, because she would have sent them away ages ago. She also makes Jude swear that if she gets pregnant by day, she will tell Oriana first, which Jude easily promises to do. This is so funny. <laughs> the whole interaction is so funny. And like, it's like Jude's out here being like, oh, like Taryn's gonna marry Balakin, and Oriana's like, oh, you're gonna marry Day. And like, yeah, they, <laughs> both of the twins are gonna end up in court, uh-huh. Oh, God. <laughs> so funny. Taryn is waiting for her in the hall, and she tells her about Oriana's past. Then Taryn puts forth her news, wondering why Prince Balakin came home with Maddox and was there with him for hours. Jude is just hoping it was not at the same time Dane was there because she doesn't want Dane to hear about missing a, about a missing servant. Though since Maddox wasn't angry with her, she presumes they talked about other things. Jude is just happy the coronation is soon. This girl <laughs> just, like, just cannot see the big picture. It's... No. She, she can't plan. God. She waits up that night for the ghost, knowing he will be annoyed since she has skipped two nights in a row. While waiting, she reminisces on how hard it is how hard it is used to be how hard it used to be for her to sleep and that she used to just wander the halls looking at things she turns when hearing a rustle thinking it is the ghost but it is valerian smiling with a long knife in his hand hey she babe think, mm, she doesn't think he's sober and tells him he shouldn't be here because it's her home which angers him 
She says if Carden put him up to this, he should rethink because if she screams, guards will come stab him. But apparently when Valerian told Carden she'd stabbed him, Carden told him that that was what he deserved. <laughs> Interesting. The friend group is splintering so hard yeah. over her. <laughs> Jude thinks he's misunderstood. He misunderstood that Carden was saying that to chide Valerian for being bested by a mortal girl, and so she tries to cover her surprise by saying Carden is a jerk. He jumps at her, but she rolls out of the way, pulling out her own dagger, even though Dane told her not to. Valerian is not skilled and has better reflexes, but has better reflexes than her, even when drunk, because he is a fairy, and she knows she should scream, but he tackles her first, and she manages to kick his knife out of his hand. He tries to choke her again because he wants to watch the life leave her eyes and wants wants to watch her struggle to die, but she is not going to let him kill her. I mean, imagine if it just ended there. Like, that's the book. (laughs) So then she stabs him in the heart. Damn! And she tries to get something to staunch the bleeding, but then he curses her. As you've murdered me, may your hands always be stained with blood. May death be your only companion. May you... But the curse doesn't finish because he dies. Blah, blah, blah. She gasps at the curse, but just kind of sits there. And then realizing she needs to do something about the body, she realizes she needs to do something about the body. While the ghost would know how to handle a dead body, she doesn't want Dane to know she killed Valyrian, so the Court of Shadows cannot know about this. She somehow gets the body under the bed, cleans up the floor and herself, and is definitely not okay, but is able to pretend by the time the ghost gets there. And that's the end of chapter 18. I'm really still, I read this yesterday, and I'm still processing this death. It, it, yeah. Oh, but don't worry. There's more, as Billy Mays would say in chapter 19. (laughs) So the ghost is teaching Jude to climb really high in the palace um, through all the rafters and stuff. And Jude asks him if things will get better once Dane is crowned. And he just kind of shakes his head sadly and said things will be as always, only more so. Uh, Which, not an encouraging (laughs) response at all. Jude starts thinking about Valerian's body and realizes that she should be thinking about the the murder she just committed in full and the person she murdered. But no, she's just thinking about whether or not she's going to get caught. (laughs) And apparently they're waiting for a messenger from Balakin who they need to intercept and kill. And Jude just spends some time commenting on the decorations for the coronation and then asks uh the ghost if he's sure that the messenger is even coming their way which he says they are um and apparently the waiting game is just as important for her to learn as a spy and jude's trying really hard to not let her mind wander uh which she fails at but eventually the disguised messenger wanders in and the ghost tells her to shoot so she shoots him with a crossbow and ducks down to hide herself so no one sees where the arrow came from the ghost smiles at her asking if that was her first kill, and she lies and shakes her head yes. He's weirdly proud that she isn't vomiting or crying, and Jude kind of says a little bit of self-reflection and realizes that she will go too far in her choices. Just, and she's like kind of okay with that, and thinks back on the curse 
Um, specifically the line that says death will be her only companion, and she does this throughout the chapter. She's, like, constantly thinking back on the curse lines as things pop up. The ghost compliments her shot in her stomach and says most gentry gentry don't have the patience or want to get their hands dirty to do stuff like this. And Jude just kind of, again, does some self-reflection, pondering why she's like this, if it's from the curse, from how messed up her life has been, if she has been broken since she watched her parents die, or if she turned out this way because Manic was her parent. Uh, the ghost studies her, like, physically, and notes that he can tell that she's been poisoning herself and asks why. She says she needs to try harder. He says that that's silly because mortals are better at all sorts of stuff, and that's why fairies steal them away, which is, like, one of the first times we've heard any positive affirmation about yep. humans from a fairy. Uh, but she wants to be able to vanquish her enemies, <laughs> which she says out loud, um, and that surprises him. And she says that even though she doesn't have many enemies, they are quality ones, which is also n- not true. Um, but <laughs> sure, Jude. <laughs> so once the body downstairs has been moved, they move to and get to the messenger bag. And once they get there, Jude looks at the spy more closely and realizes it's one of Maddox's spies. And the ghost is reading the message and gets angry when he sees it because the message says to kill the bearer of this message, meaning that Balakin set them up. So there's a mole somewhere, some way. Uh, Jude doesn't tell the ghost that the spy worked for Maddox. She's trying to figure it out on her own, even though she doesn't know anything. Because <laughs> no one has given her any information, but she's still going to try to do it on her own. She's still trying to figure out how Liriope, which is Locke's mom, fits into all of this, as well as how Maddox fits into all of this. And the ghost notes that someone is trying to distract them so that a trap can be set. So they need to be really alert during the coronation. Jude, as they kind of are making their way home, uh, Jude really wants to ask him for help with the body, but then says to herself that everyone wants stupid things and that they shouldn't necessarily get the things that they want, which is fair sentiment. Uh, she buries the body near the stables, but far enough away from the paddock that Maddox's carnivorous horses won't dig it up and eat it. I love that so much. Great. And of course, it is a natural struggle for her to hide the body and the, this general task of burying a member of the gentry from her family, but she somehow does it. The next day, everyone's getting ready for the coronation, and Jude looks at her hand, which, uh, again, she stabbed, (laughs) and has just been completely ignoring and has killed two people with this broken hand. Um, So she looks at her hand, and it's sticky and swollen, because that's what happens when you don't take care of a wound properly. She washes the wound and finally puts moss on it, and then finds a pair of gloves that will match her dress, so just a pair of blue gloves. Uh, and she pictures dancing with Locke and knows she can never tell him about Valerian because he won't like kissing her too much if he knew that she murdered his friend. That's like almost a direct quote. That's almost a direct quote from the book. And it's like, you murdered someone's friend and your biggest concern is that they won't want to kiss you that much anymore. Like... uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, I just, 
Jude. <laughs> she she needs to go to a therapist. <laughs> I think the therapist no. would need therapy after this. I know. I know. So anyways, they're all flitting around the house getting ready, and Jude gets a choker necklace to cover the bruises from where Valerian choked her. Great. Uh, she's surprised Vivi is coming, um, but Vivi says she wants to gossip with Princess Rhea and see all the gentry from the other courts, learn who Taryn's suitor is, as well as see Maddox's reaction to them learning who Taryn's suitor is. Jude's just praying into someone they don't know. <laughs> because she hates everyone that she knows. And Maddox comes into the room with a silver blade and asks Vivi for a moment with Jude. Vivi is snarky and leaves. And Maddox offers her this blade, saying it is called Nightfall, but she can rename it if she wants. And he wants to give it to her for how hard she's been training and that it is something of a family heirloom. She asks about, like, whether or not he's offered it to Oak, or, like, what if Oak wants it later on, because she's presuming it's a family heirloom from Maddox. And Maddox just smiles and asks her if she wants it, and she says yes, of course. We learn it is actually a family heirloom only for her, uh, for her and Taryn, because her father, Justin Duarte, forged it for Maddox. Uh, Jude's father was in Fairy, we learn, and he crafted a few pieces for Maddox and a few pieces for other members of the gentry, and so Maddox found one that worked for her and one that worked for Taryn. Her parents apparently met in Fairy, fell in love, and ran away together. So that was sort of the impetus for Jude's mother leaving with unborn Vivi. Jude asks about her parents, but almost wants to take it back because it's easier for her to hate her mother since then she doesn't feel as awful for loving Maddox. But she asks about it and so he starts talking about her mom because he loved her mom so much. So her mother was apparently very daring, not cowed by magic or the world around her and just radiated life and happiness everywhere she went, which Maddox reveled in whenever he could. Um, her father built his whole human life around becoming a master swordsmith and then realized that the Fae had the best swords, so he sought them out so he could get better. When they left, he was better. Um, he learned a lot in fairy, but apparently he bragged about his enhanced skills in the mortal realm, so news hit Balakin, which was how it made its way to Maddox. Maddox then admits that there is little good in him, like in Maddox, but he owes Jude a debt and will do the best by her that he can. She touches his cheek, he kisses the back of her hand, and says after today, things will be different, and he will wait for her in the carriage, and she straps her sword on, and they get ready to go to the coronation. After today, things will be different. Ah. I also thought of, like, a bunch of pop culture references. Oh, good. I don't have that many. Um, so why don't you start with your general commentary while I type these pop culture Okay. On, on chapter 18, um, I just want to give a shout out to Oriana, who I think realizes there's something up with uh, Dane, as she says, being sequestered by the silly little girl. Like, she recognizes, like, there's something wrong with that that's a red flag let me go make some tea really quick and check out what's going on like she made that tea specifically like she knew Dana was not going to save for tea but she needed some sort of an excuse to actually like go in there barge in on them and so she could 
just like check out what's happening and Mm -hmm. she does turn out to be a a pretty important person in that moment for Jude to like lean on figuratively and like literally lean on Um, yeah and she I like well I want to know because I don't think it's described at all is does she realize what is going on with her hands because it is wrapped up but like it's wrapped up it's not like it's hidden she hasn't put the glove on it yet she hides it in her pocket oh is that it okay Mm mm-hmm Cause like, but like also, wouldn't it stink a little bit? Like blood is smelly. I mean, we'll talk about. I'll talk about that with Dane too. But like, it's not. It's like a metallic smell, mm-hmm. right? It's it's pretty pungent. I <laughs> I don't go around like smelling blood, but like that's what I like figure it has to like. There has to be something up with that. Yeah. Um. So I just think that's interesting. Well, they um, might also just not be able to separate nasty human smells like different kinds of nasty yeah. human smells so they may just always think humans smell humany and not realize mm-hmm. like that it's being from mortal blood specifically because i'm sure their blood smells different yeah like pine trees <laughs> and then the fact that jude has so many skeletons in her closet that when she goes to talk to dane what happened with Valyrian is already, like, a memory of the past for her. Like, she has fully moved on. She is onto a whole nother drama now. <laughs> and she can't keep her dramas in line. Like, that's a red flag for you, darling. Like, <laughs> you know that you have problems when you can't keep your problems together. Seriously. Um, so, yeah. Um, what else do I have to say? Um... Oh, why? It annoys me to no end that she doesn't go to the moss. Like, there's clearly something good about the moss that will help her hand, right? I mean, I think it's weird that she's going to put it in moss, but, like, it's fairy, whatever. And then she doesn't go into it. Like, why? Is, does she just want to be in pain? I yes. don't understand that. Jude, Jude is the perfect literary masochist. <laughs> she is a real masochist. She's I, a dumbass. I don't understand, like, there's nothing, like, she, I don't, I just don't get it, like, (laughs) if you're gonna be a spy, and you're gonna have to go and, like, kill people, probably, and, like, you know, do all these master trickery things, your hand is gonna be a very important weapon, and having it stabbed and hurting is not gonna help you. (laughs) That is true. It's like a soccer player, right? A soccer player who hurts their foot can't play soccer. A spy who hurts the hand can't spy. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of, like, Doctor Strange when he gets into that accident and, like, his hands are completely shattered and then he's like, well, I guess I can't be a surgeon anymore. And so then he turns to magic. Uh, our two minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do sports and I do marbles. <laughs> Which, on a side note, I've gotten really into comic books lately. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then I love the whole dress sequence. I, you are right. I like would love to see that in a movie. If this were to become a TV series or a movie series, I hope it wouldn't become a TV series. I hate YA adaptations that become TV series. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what they come up with that. The only movie series I feel like has, I feel like we've talked about this, like that I feel like has done it well is The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would have a high bar <laughs> to, to reach. 
um, True. to pull that off. Well, that's, um, I almost, I wonder what it would be like if the selection ever became mm, yeah, a TV that would, show. The Gossip Girl costume designers yes. should do that. I would, yes. that would be perfect. Like, I know that he did Emily in Paris, but that was such a dud. Like, I feel like he needs something kind of more eccentric. I agree. Um, yeah, the selection would be Sorry. good. This would be good. Yeah. Um, oh, that'd be so anyway. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, okay, the, the whole Dane killing, I'm sure you have a lot to say about all of this, but the whole Dane killing thing, uh, first of all, I remember reading this, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, the first time I read this, I, like, didn't know where it was leading to, because, like, clearly he's going to kill her, like, what, because in my mind, I was like, she's not going to kill him, like, she doesn't, like, she's just seen someone die, there's no way she's going to be like, let me kill this other person, I mean, she didn't kill Sophie, but, like, she had inadvertently killed her, well, so in my mind... And I'm thinking of somebody who was sane, I guess. Like, she's going to find some way. Like, she's going to call the guards. They're going to take him away. Whatever. Some She was literally just told to act powerless, not show her skill with a blade, and, like, not uh-huh. hurt a member mm-hmm. of the gentry. Like, less than eight hours ago. <laughs> and so, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way she's going to kill him. Like, it's not possible. Like, I don't think I, it even crossed my mind that she could possibly kill him. Same, yeah. Um, And... That she kills him, and then she hides the body under her bed. What? What? I, mean, I don't get it. What else are you supposed to do? This entire chapter is just her completely unhinged. I mean, she has lost it. No, she's like very. The scary thing is like how much she's thinking about it. She's like, well. Even if I hide it under the bed, that'll be okay, because the ghost won't find it there, because fairy bodies don't rot, so he won't smell the dead body, and I'm just like, what? Dude, <laughs> you just took a life, an immortal life, like, what? And a very important immortal life. Oh my god, this uh, girl. It was a roller coaster. Yeah, I... Oh man, I for the whole death, I I literally I was like I don't know how to process it. I'm in shock. I'm still in shock. I have not I processed Valerian for her. Like she's not really in shock. We're in shock. It's just it's so much. It happens so quickly. I don't know how the readers expected to like handle it. Like I'd Mm-mm. be okay. We're not okay. Um and like. We know Dana's going to find out at some point. Like, I can just tell. Mm-hmm. I can, obviously, because that creates great plot conflict. So, of course, Dana's going to find out about this at some point. He's going to be hella mad. So, that's a given. But I want to know what Cardin's reaction is going to be. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. Because, like, Valerian's clearly his friend, but... Cardin seems to be turning on Valerian, so yeah. And I think I he think likes Jude. Close, so. I think he likes Jude more than Valerian, so I want to know what kind of struggle is going to go on in his brain and how he's going to arrive at the conclusion that he's going to stick with Jude. Because mm-hmm. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. Um, do you have anything else for the chapter? Because I have many comments to go through. 
Ah, uh, no, go. I want to hear them. I want them. Okay, so going back to the beginning, like, I just, I knew, I knew Dane was going to be all about that abusive bullshit. Like, I just knew it. The manipulation disgusts me. For I can't believe he's mad at her for protecting herself. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> he tried to glamour her and have her jump to her death. And Dane's just like, well, you should have done it. Like, no, she shouldn't have. You are not going to get another human as well-placed as Jude in your service. She is useful to you. And she is an asset. And we don't just throw our assets off buildings, Dane. What kind of strategy is that? You idiot. I just... She would have died. He can't do anything with the dead human spy. He's being an idiot. His whole family's crap. I don't understand why they all think bullying is the way to get what they want. Because it sucks. They're all unhinged. And... I, like, I kind of get why she stabs her hand in the moment, but the whole situation was so manipulative. Like, I honestly wanted to hurl. It was making me sick. I was getting so angry (laughs) at it. Like, she doesn't deserve punishment for what she's done. She deserves grace and understanding for what she's Mm -hmm. done. And stabbing your hand... Like, I, she does it to prove some kind of twisted loyalty to Dane, but, like, stabbing her hand is not going to make her better or akin to Cardin. It also won't make him fear you. So I don't know what she thinks she's accomplishing to, like, make herself something to fear by stabbing her hand. Because even if they knew that she was, like, willing to do that, they would just think she's an idiot who stabbed her own hand. Yeah. Doesn't prove anything. <laughs> And I also don't understand why Dane is saying she can't show her skill with a blade, because it's not like her skill with a blade is something that she's learned in the Court of Shadows. Like, it's public knowledge that Maddox has been training her for years. But it's still, it makes her look like she she has some power. Um, but she does. Like, I don't understand I why she can't showcase the power that everyone would expect her to have. Like, why does she have to become so weak, like what a normal human would be, when that's not who everyone has known her to be. Like, that's going to cause more suspicion than her continuing to act the way that she's always acted. Yeah, but he doesn't really know her. Like, they don't know each other that well. They both were like, we're going to trust each other. We don't really know each other, but okay, let's do this. Like, they were both kind of reckless in that regard. That's true. and But the whole situation is dumb because, like, he's not actually mm-hmm. thinking through who she was, how she acted before she got into his service. And what he's asking her to do is asking her to become a different person overnight, which will automatically look suspicious. Like, that is just not good strategy. And that's probably because neither of them are Ravenclaws and they don't know how to think through things properly. (laughs) Drag them. (laughs) But I just, it's... It's dumb. She's gonna be better at sword fighting than Cardin or Valerian because her dad is the general of the army and he's been training her for years. Like, it's just baffles me. Baffles Mm -hmm. me. You should know the assets that your spies bring to the table to be able to appropriately send them out to do things. That is one thing Kaz does really well. 
Kaz is better than Dane in this regard. Yeah. Just not making pop culture references. is a schemer. Like, it's a whole thing. Well, because he's not at the top. Because he's not at the top, he's really good about planning all of this stuff to account for every possible failure. Well, I think that's that's a good point, too, is, like, he, at the end of the day, Dane is still a spoiled royal Mm -hmm. kid. Like, he hasn't had to work hard to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. He, he's just kind of, he assumes stuff about people. Like, he assumes he knows her, I guess, in a way. Um, and he's reckless in that. He doesn't, like, he just thinks about, he's similar to Jude, and he thinks about, like, how is it going to benefit me? Yeah. And that's it. Well, and he's just thinking about the fact that she's a human, which means this is the one thing she can do that mm-hmm. I can't do. And she can lie. And I'm going to use that to my advantage. She has a place in court, and she can lie, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. Not anything to do with Jude herself, but this kind of like, well, all humans are basically the same. Yeah. Which is why he's probably so willing to let her die, because he thinks all humans are basically the same. He doesn't realize what an asset he might actually have in Jude if he were to train and use her properly. Mm -hmm. But again, she's a shit spy, so I don't actually know. It's, it's, you know, two-headed coin. (laughs) What can you do? Uh, I I just also really, kind of going back to what you were saying about Oriana, like, why she's trying to intercede, I just, in general, like, was very impressed how she managed to come in, be very nonchalant and civilized, and also disrespect both the prince and her stepdaughter at the same (laughs) time. Yeah. Like, she insulted, she used four different insults against Jude in, like, one breath, um, and she was insulting Dane, too. Like, why are you so dumb to be wasting your time with this idiot? It's like, But I think it's also a a warning. Like, she knows how the court works. Like, it's not good to be in this room with this girl. Like, it's not royal etiquette. And, like, he probably knows that she was connected to the royal family. Right. So. I I, I thought it was masterclass (laughs) court behavior of, like, how she interjected. And this was before, I wrote this comment before we, like, knew Oriana's backstory. But I was really confused. I'm like, why do you care if Jude is, like, dating Prince Dane. It's not like you have a kid competing for the royal crown. Don't you, wouldn't it be good for you to have, be connected to the royal crown? But it's like, now I obviously understand. No. <laughs> the answer to that is no, it would not be. And it makes a lot more sense. Are all the, are there a lot of humans that get surgery to get elf-shaped ears? I know that was the thing at some point to, like, split your tongue. No. But I have not heard about ears. That freaks me out. I know. (laughs) I just, that all freaked me out. But I'm glad Vivi and Jude got to have their little vulnerable moment talking about their feelings and, like, sisterly bonding. Even though the two were not, like, similar scenarios, but yeah. No, but they had a moment. They did have a moment. Jude has lots of moments in these chapters, which just, like, oh, everyone's being vulnerable with Jude. And she's just, like, not learning anything. Ugh, <laughs> oh, but they're all being very sweet. I also Oriana makes the coronation sound like a minefield. I would not want to go. 
I know. And even though I get why Oriana thinks Jude is sleeping with Dane and why she's trying to prevent it, like, it's very sweet what she's trying to do, but also just, ew. Like, Dane's too old for her. No. Ew. No. I don't like it. Yep. And how how are we supposed to see Maddox as a bad guy? I don't know how to do it. He's like ruffling You're her too hair. Attached to him. He's like ruffling her hair. It's so sweet. Well, just remember, he has a cap, which is in like blood. It's just full of blood. People's blood that he has killed. And your point is. <laughs> Listen, I come, I come from a Republican family. These kinds of things don't face me. Okay. <laughs> the men in my life are not good people most of the time. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Maddox, and, Maddox was being really sweet. Um, well, I think we can say that he is a family person. He mm-hmm. cares about his family, but he himself is probably not a good person. I think we can say that much. That's fair. But, like, him as a dad is, like, very sweet to me. Yeah. Because he clearly has so much love to give to the girls, which is nice. Um, Yeah. I also just really, in general, want to kind of, like, reread the book for Oriana's warnings and lines and to, like, get that mm-hmm. new perspective now, I think that that will be... Like, now I'm realizing why you kept asking me, so uh, what do you think about Oriana in this chapter? Oriana, I'm going to say this because I feel like we're getting to where I can say it. Like, Oriana is one of my top characters. She has so much action in the next couple books and mm. is so important of a role. Um, I love her. And, like, we're starting to see that now. And, like, you're getting the hint, too. Like, she's a really good character. Well, that's it's, like, in the first, you know, 15 chapters, she seems like a throwaway character that's just kind of there mm-hmm. to be, like, evil stepmommy. Like, meh. She sets it up exactly to be that way. And then we get this whole backstory. And we're like, oh. And we're just like, whoa, you're a badass. Cool. <laughs> and why is she living as the wife of one of the top gentry, like, families she's but she was from the court before mm-hmm. just a lot of interesting things about her super know? interesting yeah no i'm excited to see more with her i'm also so i'm curious why maddox and balkan are spending all this time together dude's not but i'm curious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because balkan's the one that told maddox where to find the mom and like there were letters from Maddox on Balakin's desk. Clearly, they have more of a relationship than we were originally sort of, like, led to believe. Because Jude's kind of set it up that, oh, Dane and Maddox are, like, BFFs, basically. But it's kind of not seeming like that's actually true. And I'm wondering if Maddox is more on Balakin's side than Dane's. And we were just thinking he was on Dane's side because of Jude's perception. Hence the coup you were back on this coup i'm back on the coup maddox is part it's of it it's back baby <laughs> it was gone for a couple of chapters it was just dormant it. it was dormant for a couple of chapters but uh, we're back we're back on the coup okay i'm ready we'll find out soon right we will the coronation is probably the next chapter or next two chapters mm-hmm. well they're headed to the coronation when does book two start? Now I need to look. Hold on. I won't read anything. 
I just need to start in the next chapter, I think, after the next chapter. Oh, it's after it chapter way? 20. It's after chapter 20. Yeah, okay. Damn. I was gonna say, I feel like it's soon that this stuff happens. Damn. Okay, man, next podcast episode is going to be messy, I'm sure. But yeah, so I'm back on my coup. My coup game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really loved how savage Carden was burning his friend. When Valerian was like, Carden told me I deserved it. You know. Like, um, Valerian did definitely deserve to get stabbed. And the fact, stabbed it. And the fact that Carden isn't backing him up is great. And again, like, I write some of these comments before I re- keep reading, so I wrote, I was like, oh, but that might be a bit scary, because that could make Valerian more like a wild animal backed into a corner. Spoiler alert, it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, I feel like we can, like, we know Cardin enough now that you can just see him, like, saying that to Valerian, being like, like, a deadpan face, like, you deserved it. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> like... So it's true <laughs> and it's i i find it really interesting though that valerian kind of interpreted it as like cardin truly believed that he deserved to be stabbed by jude and that jude's like the better mm-hmm. person because i believe that that's actually the correct interpretation which would be the one time valerian got something right and jude meanwhile is like <laughs> a completely different interpretation <laughs> he's so dense <laughs> Oh my god, but yeah, that's, you know what, at least he got something right before he died. Yeah. So there's that. I guess. I also really just am very put off by his obsession of trying to kill people by choking them. Mm -hmm. Makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I know people get killed like that, but it's just, it's a very intimate way of killing, and I don't like it. I think that we can agree he deserved to die because he is clearly oh, yes. not a good person. No, no, he was <laughs> an we evil dumb he duck. Read about him dying? Probably not. Did we want to see Jude lose her mind to kill him? No, but did he deserve it? Yeah. Did I want to read about him almost killing Jude? Also, no. No. <laughs> no death. Let's just nix the death. The very intimate, personal forms of death. I'm, I'm over mm-hmm. them. No, thank you. Uh, and then, so the curse. You're probably not going to tell me anything. But does this curse actually stick? Or does it not work because of the geese? I, I think it's just kind of like something she thinks about more than, I don't think it, it's a real curse. Okay. She just, it like haunts her kind of. Okay. Because, I like, that would be really bad if she was truly doomed to have anyone she loves die. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the rest of the book series. We've got way too long to go for that mm-hmm. to be true. <gasps> yep. Is Locke gonna die? Locke? Yeah. Because uh... right now he's her companion. And so if she's thinking that her only companion oh. is death, Locke's next on the list to go. There is something big coming up with Locke, but that is not it. <laughs> okay, but so then that means the curse isn't real. It's just like, no, it gets in her just, head. It, it Exactly, it haunts her. 
Lady Macbeths her a little bit. She feels like her hands are always yeah, covered in blood, even though thing. they're not. Yeah. Well, he literally says that, right? Like, your hand, may your hands always be drenched in blood or something. Yeah. So, he's turning her into Lady Macbeth. Great. It's what we need more of in the world. Okay, that's all I had for chapter 18. Chapter 19. I remember reading this, and I, the second time reading it, too, I had a lot of difficulty... Um, picturing this scene where they're like up in the rafters or in the tree branches like there's a lot of descriptors going on Mm -hmm. that was it was so intricate like holly black clearly had a vision for how this looked Mm -hmm. and i was not in that vision Um, (laughs) but i also don't know how else you would explain it like i can kind of get it Mm -hmm. but it's it's hard like this is again like the dresses like i would love to see imagery of what people think this looks like yeah. I don't know. That, that I had difficulty with that. Um, That's fair. And then, um, <laughs> I like that the ghost points out, like, figures out immediately that she is poisoning herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like, why are you doing that? That's so stupid. Like, yeah, thank you for saying that. Like, he doesn't outright say it, but, like, that's basically what he's thinking when he asks her about it. Yeah. Um, Because it is, it's, it is stupid. Like, it's so maybe dumb. one day it'll come in handy, but she's, like, basically killing herself right now. Um, And, like, who knows if she's actually going to get poisoned? Like, <laughs> who knows if it's actually going to work? She's not that important. No, she's not that important that somebody would want to poison her. Um, God, this entire chapter was... It just felt, like, weird coming off of Prince... Or Prince Dane. Um, coming off of Val, Valyrian's death. Mm-hmm. And, like, then she has another kill. Like, she has had three chapters of kills. Yeah. She needs a break. She needs a breather. She needs to go on vacation. I need to go on vacation from these three chapters. No, I completely agree. She's going to have so much trauma to suppress just from, like, the last day. Like, literally last 24 hours. She has so much trauma to suppress. Because I, I, no matter how feral she is, I do not think Jude is actually a killer. Like, I don't Mm -mm. think that that is inherently who she is. And two people in one night, and then inadvertently another person the night before like that's not okay and (laughs) her circumstances are trying to turn her into this machine and not letting her process human emotions and she really just needs like you know a day or two to process her human emotions but she doesn't know how to recognize her human emotions so she's not going to do that and it's i'm worried about her she and like the fact and then at the end of the chapter, she gets a sword. <laughs> like, that's not what she needed. That's <laughs> not what she needs. Like a tissue or a pillow or a teddy bear. Something Some fluffy. Instead, she just gets another killing weapon. And she's like, oh, cool. My dad made this for me. <laughs> also, like the fact that Taryn is getting one too. What the heck is Taryn going to do with a sword? <laughs> like, is it necessarily a sword, though? I just just made, she just got a weapon. I presumed it was just something that their dad forged. I mean, he could have forged a silver comb. (laughs) I don't know. 
a dangerous comb with like spikes on the end. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. She can wear it in her hair and then throw it at someone. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like a pretty good weapon. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, Mulan does that with her comb thing, right? Like that's she doesn't make it a weapon, but like it's symbolic of anyways. Uh <laughs> What did you have for this chapter? So I do, going back to the beginning with Ghost's comment, it kind of just seems like Dane is also going to want to keep the status quo and not rock any boats, like not really change anything. And I'm not quite sure if that's going to make Maddox happy or not because it seems like wars may continue, but that a lot of people are going to rally under Dane as part of him sort of continuing everything that's going on, and so Maddox might not be happy with that. But in general, the things that Jude wants to change are definitely not going to change under Dane, so he's really not the person she should be aligning herself with if she wants change. Yep. She really is just an idiot. She really thinks that she can make a change, and, like, she's just, as the whole hand thing proved, like, she's just a pawn. Yeah. She has nothing. Well, and even, like, this murder, like, this second murder, she's just a pawn. They make her execute the kill, but Dane, I don't know if Dane's given the ghost context, but Jude's not given any information or context for why this person needs to die, why they need to kill this random messenger, what the indication is that this messenger is going to actually do at the palace. Like, what's the concern that we need to now take a life. Mm-hmm. And she's given no context and she's just expected to execute loyally. And, like, that should be a warning sign that the person you're fighting for is not on the right side of the equation. Yep. Uh, but she's clearly, in general, I mean, she's crossed some kind of a line within herself. And I, I don't know when that's fully going to, like, hit her. That she's crossed this line into becoming a murderer. Like, how she'll feel about the knowledge about herself that she'll do literally anything. Because, like, she recognizes that that's the situation. But she's not actively processing that that's the situation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm scared to see what the f- fallout of that is. Um, and I wonder if when she wakes up to that, if she'll also wake up to the fact that she's a pawn. Because it's so frustrating that, you know, she's being used and manipulated by Dane and really everyone around her. Like, Locke's manipulating her. Manic may not mean to, but he's manipulating her. I don't really think Taryn and Vivi have agendas enough to be manipulating her. <laughs> but, like, Carden is. Nikasia is. Like, they, they all have their own agendas, and they're just going to try to act them out through Jude. And she's so naive, she does not realize that all of this stuff is happening around her. You know, we haven't heard a lot from Tara in the past few chapters. What do you think is going on with her? I think she's just getting ready for her proposal. Because it's supposed mm-hmm. to happen today. when the, During the coronation. Right? Yep. Yeah. Because she's been, like, leaving her room, so I think she's sneaking out to go <laughs> with her Rendezvous? love. Rendezvous? Yeah. <laughs> she's rendezvousing yeah. with Rochambeau. 
somewhere in the woods. Though I will say the one thing where Jude's like questioning why she is the way that she is, there's definitely no way that the reason she is that way is because Maddox is her parent. Because she puts that in as one of the potential reasons, but like he is also the parent of Vivi and Taryn Mm -hmm. and Oak and none of them are randomly committing murders. And like on to that point, she is then admitting that she is being um, influenced by someone, which she clearly doesn't want to feel like she's being influenced by anyone. She wants to have her own thing. But by saying that, she's like, yeah, I am influenced by my father, who I hate. (laughs) Which is the wrong person to say that you're influenced by. She's so, she's such a mess. (laughs) Seriously, such a mess. I just, yeah, she's the way that she is because of her choices and the people that she's choosing to align herself with and the manipulations that they're overlaying on her. But, like, the only thing that growing up with Maddox has done is desensitize her to violence. Maddox didn't Mm -hmm. make her violent. Like, those are two very different things. And I think that that's a, I mean, that's a general, like, social consideration that we need to think about being desensitized to violence does not make a person violent Mm -hmm. and i think that gets lost in translation a lot of times like you and i in a lot of ways are both desensitized to violence because we see it in video games and movies and the news i don't think i could physically hurt another human being without crying for hours after like a slap like i i will like pinch myself on accident and i start crying like i I can't but i'm terrible like blood also just makes me queasy so same no i can't go i used to not be able to go to my mother's hospital where she works because it would make me like scared Right, but I can play violent video games all day long. So being desensitized mm-hmm. to violence does not make me violent. And, yeah, I need you to, like, wake up to that message. Because, like, she cannot blame Maddox <laughs> for her problems. I Okay, I also know that you probably know this, but I don't understand why Balakin would be doing a setup with a spy that worked for Maddox. Unless Maddox is working with Balakin to overthrow Dane because there's a coup. Or maybe there's a whole other framing going on. Someone's trying to frame someone, maybe. Because mm-hmm. that was clearly a decoy servant, right? Mm-hmm. Or messenger, whatever. Um, so why would they make it obvious that this messenger is wearing Maddox's um, uniform? Unless nobody thought that they would have It's not obvious. The, the ghost doesn't know that it's Maddox. That's exactly true. It's only like, Jude it's... recognized the specific fairy. But, like, just because of the structure of their face, mm-hmm. like, Jude knew the fairy. The ghost just thought it was Balakin. But they were wearing it the Maddox uniform, though, which is a big giveaway. Were they actually? Did I miss that? Yeah. It says, up close, though, I realized something that chills my blood. The messenger was disguised. The creature is female, and while her tail is fake, her long parsnip nose is entirely real. She's one of Maddox's spies. Oh, I thought that she was wearing an insignia. Maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't say anything about an insignia. She was wearing, like, a fake uniform for the palace guards, which is how they knew it was her, that she was the one that mm. they were supposed to shoot. Freaky. 
Yeah, the bag it carries is too filthy and there's something subtly wrong with its livery. It isn't dressed like one of Balakin's servants and neither is its uniform the same as the other palace staff. Hmm. Well, it doesn't explicitly say it's Maddox's spy uniform. Also, spy uniforms are dumb. <laughs> I know. We shouldn't have those. No, <laughs> that's like pointless. That's the opposite of useful. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I mean, Jude speculates that it's maybe because this spy was like double agent, also working for Balakin, but that seems too convoluted for something like this, that like, Balakin and Maddox are working together on something. It may be your point, they're trying to frame Dane for something or do something else and not murder him, but they're doing something. Thing. They're either moving against Eldred or Dane in some capacity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also don't think that Jude's whole thing that, oh, maybe this fairy was a double agent. Maddox is not someone you want to cross. No. That no one's turning double agent on Maddox. That's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whole scene between Jude and Maddox tears at my heartstrings quite a lot. The fact that she gets something from her, of her father's even though she shouldn't have a sword. It's, it's, <laughs> Girl. it's a beautiful... More weapons! I know, but it's a beautiful thing that she has this like heirloom to like remember her parents by. And it, I don't know, Maddox's description and like clear love for her mother was just so pure <laughs> and sweet. And we can also see both Jude and Taryn, like, in his description of their mother. And, I don't know, it was very gut-wrenching, but it also makes it clear, like, why Maddox loves the girls, especially Jude, mm-hmm. because he sees so much of his wife in her. Mm-hmm. And then my last comment was pretty much that the turning point has to be the next chapter. We're so close to something happening. I'm hyped. I want to know what's happening. Who's involved in the coup? It's coming. I'm ready. And that's, that's pretty much all I had. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> all right, what do you got for pop culture for Chapter 18? I don't have a lot. Um, this isn't really pop culture so much as, like, <laughs> um, military tactics, I guess. It reminds me of, I think, um, especially during, I think maybe it was the Cold War, mm-hmm. when... Um, you would hear about there was that one incident with the spy who got caught i think in russia mm-hmm. and he was supposed to kill himself by drinking poison but he didn't and he got so he got caught by the russians it, that remind me so much of basically what dane is expecting her to do she's he's basically expecting her like if she gets caught she should just die like if she's put in the position of death or getting caught she just needs to choose death um without explicitly saying that but like it's what he clearly expects from her and like that's not what she's expecting at all um i think that's a big wake-up call for her one it's also not a fair expectation when she wasn't even spying she was in school like in a normal place where she's expected to be during the day it's not doesn't protect his secrets in any but that's a fair that's a fair reference i don't know why but (laughs) I thought of the king and I when Oriana was talking about being, like, a lover in the court, right? Mm. And, like, basically, like, not 
being another wife, right? But being a consort, being yeah. exactly, and like I, I don't know why it just reminded me so much of thinking <laughs> that was my random pop culture reference. What was she words? a consort? I think she was just well, because she didn't bear any children. But it sounds like that's kind of what she was. No, I meant in the King and I. Oh, in the was... King and I. No, no, I'm talking about the wives, the other oh. wives in the King and I. Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, I mean, in general, like, if you go back to, like, older Asian stories, you get a lot of those, like, consort mm-hmm. references. Um, like, I think there's a bunch of consorts talked about, like, concubines talked about in um, The Good Earth by Perlis Buck. Like, yeah. <laughs> All great books. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I just, like, watched The King and I last year. It's still, like a weird story <laughs> it is i used to love the animated one uh, growing up though which is like i don't, I don't think i've ever seen that it's cute it has the same songs it's from the 2021 musical. it's a little bit different now it's it definitely so still very problematic for yeah, yeah but i loved it as a kid you know I it's know. what my grandma showed me i can't help it mm-hmm. fair anything else no <laughs> okay so putting moss on the wound reminds me a lot of the blood moss from His Dark Materials that they would, like, put mm, on yeah. Will's hand when he was, like, trying to heal himself. Uh, and that, like, the polar bear that I can't remember his name because it's so hard to pronounce. He would always try to put, like, blood moss on things. Um, so that's, like, a very common healing tactic in like a lot of stories i think and it also reminded me of the leaves from the hunger games that rue puts on her stings to like Mm. take the pain away plants are great uh jude also makes a comment that she's expected for the coronation she's expected to wear through a pair of slippers every night from dancing so hard which is basically just the story of the 12 dancing princesses right they come back and their shoes are like fully worn through the next morning and they're Dad, the king, is like, what? Why are your shoes worn through? Why do I have to get you more shoes? This is stupid. Um, and it's because they were sneaking away to, like, dance at mystical balls every night. Um, and they wore through their shoes. So, comment reminded me of that. Also, if anyone's looking for a modern day, not modern day, but a, like, a recently published adaptation of that fairy tale, or, like, a retelling, uh, The House of Salt and Sorrows is a really good one. So, recommend <laughs> Also, I'm still just getting a lot of Bridgerton vibes with the dresses. <laughs> yeah. Same pop culture reference, but same situation. Uh, and the reveal of the dress, because I know you were talking um, about how it reminded you of the Hunger Games, but, like, I was, because I've been reading the selection series, it reminded me a lot of the Elite when... Um, America decides she's gonna wear this like super red sexy dress to try to seduce Maxon. <laughs> and it's like not at all what anyone is expecting her to do or wear and it's like beautiful like absolutely gorgeous but it has, it's nothing like what is expected of her and she just shows up to dinner and she's just like hey <laughs> and so Jude in this dress that is like very clearly not her but also absolutely gorgeous, just kind of reminded me of that. 
Um, and just in general, it felt kind of like a Cinderella moment, you know, like getting this beautiful mm-hmm. ball gown dress that is more than what you could have ever imagined. That's like literally every Cinderella story ever. <laughs> okay, younger Jude not being able to sleep and just kind of wandering around the the house reminds me of what a girl wants when she like goes down to the kitchen <laughs> the... to get the cocoa pops. Yeah. Yes. And she's freaking Very out different characters, But yeah. <laughs> I know, but I love Daphne. I try to mention yeah. her as much as I can. Such a good movie. Uh, yes, it is. And okay, if, if Valerian, I mean, I know he's dead now, but if he was going to continue killing people with neck-related injuries, I just would really appreciate it if he took a couple of um, cues from Juliet Kai and used the grot strings. <laughs> Make it a little bit easier for all of us. Uh, <laughs> These mm-hmm. violent delights out now by Chloe Gong. <laughs> Great book. And okay, the last one. If I know, I guess that the curse isn't real, but if the curse was real and she really was doomed to have anyone that she loves die, that kind of reminds me of Soraya's curse in Girl Serpent Thorn. Um, mm-hmm. because people would yeah. die if they got too close to her and, like, wanted to be with her because her skin was poison. So hers was more, like, physical. Jude's is a little bit more, like, theoretical, but still. Yep. So those are my vulture references. <laughs> what do you have for chapter 19? Um, I have... Oh, when she is burying the body... I mean, there's about a million references you could make here about somebody who's burying the body and trying to figure yes. out what the heck to do with it and, like, b- b- strategize on where to bury it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know why, like, the first reference that came to my mind was uh, The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since I read that book, but I just remember, like, the trauma of, like, killing someone and then ha- having to, like, cover about it. Like, we haven't even gotten to that point where she has to cover for it. Like, she's still in that point where, like, she's just killed the body and now she has to figure out what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, I just, I don't know. I, I just remember because that's such a big, I mean, that is the entire book is, like, killing this person, then they have to cover for it, and there's, like, eventually it kind of they, it unravels them, and I'm waiting for that. Like, I'm waiting for her to unravel because of this, because you need to talk to someone. Like, at least in the secret history, you have these characters who ha- can talk to each other. I mean, it doesn't work out well for them mm-hmm. in the end, but, right. like, they do have some sort of support system. Right. She has no one right now. Well, so, like, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that reminds me kind of to your point about um, the first season of How to Get Away with Murder, the the Viola Davis mm. TV show, because all of the kids end up killing a guy, like all of the law student kids, and they all have to bury the body together, and then they're all holding each other accountable for, like, not spilling the beans. <laughs> um, so in that case, it would have been better if it was just one of them. They probably wish they were too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also watched something recently where someone in self-defense 
kill someone. I can't think of it. Anyway, I mean, that's like so many stories and I'm probably getting them all confused at this point. <laughs> oh, g- good story of burying a body and being strategic about it. You got you, the end of season one, mm-hmm. where he buries, uh, what's her name? Gwendolyn's body? I cannot remember her name. But where when he buries her body on the therapist's property so that it does get discovered and the therapist goes to jail. Damn. God, that's messed up. Oh, the flight attendant is why I recently watched. That's the interference that I'm getting. Except mm. in that one, she... Um, she, I didn't watch the whole series. I watched the first episode with my mom, but it all happens in that one episode. She wakes up next to the guy in bed and he's been stabbed. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know what to do. Like She didn't... She didn't stab him, but she's obviously going to be, like, trying, someone's trying to frame her for it. So she's, like, trying to cover up and make it look like she wasn't there, and she's like, yeah, so. Oh my god, that reminds me of Gossip Girl, when Serena just overdoses with Georgiana and that guy, and then he, like, accidentally dies, and Gigi makes her, like, leave. Hmm. <laughs> so many messed up things in our media. This is like, oh I'm getting God. them all confused because like it's so common. It's mm-hmm. like not. It's a good. trope. <laughs> Murdering yeah. people and burying the bodies is very bad trope. Let's stop doing it. Thanks. Stop doing that. And then my other one. Oh, when she gets the sword, that mm-hmm. reminded me of when Arya gets a needle. <laughs> yeah. From her brother. Very, very different relationship dynamic there. Because, <laughs> like, her brother actually, like, John actually cares for Arya. And, like, mm-hmm. Maddox cares for her, but, like, problematic. <laughs> um, Fair. And I was Arya also say. hasn't killed anyone yet. <laughs> yet. Yet I mean, is she will, the key. But, yeah. Well, and with Needle. Like, Jude and Arya have kind of swapped places. <laughs> Their timelines are just a little skewed, a little but they're different. basically the same. Yeah. They're both very messy. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say in general, like, the idea of, like, naming swords and, like, having mm-hmm. named swords is just in general reminiscent of Game Enoch of Thrones. Enoch does it, too. Oh, that's true. She she names her knives after her saints. That's very mm-hmm. true. Uh, it also reminded me of Lord of the Rings with, like, Sting, the mm-hmm. little, yeah. Frodo's little <laughs> dagger. Which is a sword for Frodo, because he's so small. He's too small. <laughs> but <laughs> I just love naming swords. I love giving them a personality, almost. It's personifying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> this killing machine, yeah! Woo! It works for fantasy. Let's not do it in real life. No, let's not. <laughs> yeah. That it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, kind of to your point of, like, being able to have, like, a million pop culture references, the idea of, uh, so the ghost says that most of being a thief and killer is waiting, and kind of just, like, playing out this waiting game for something to happen, or for someone to come so you can, like, kill them, or for someone to come so you can catch them in the act of doing something. Like, it's just a general trope for Mm -hmm. stakeouts of any kind. Um, so it just, mm-hmm. like, you have to wait long amounts of time, and it's very boring for stuff to happen, and so it was reminding me of Veronica Mars, 
because she always had to like wait and wait and wait on her stakeouts. Uh, the gray man from Raven Cycle, because he just would like mm-hmm. bide his time doing his own thing before he had to assassinate someone. And then I recently rewatched this, which is why it's coming to mind. But the episode, one of the episodes in the first season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, when Amy and Jake go on their fake date, but then they have to go to a stakeout instead, and they're like waiting for hours at the stakeout, and the captain calls them and tells them that he can send relief and they can like go finish their date, and Jake's like, "No, I think we'll stay here," <laughs> and then they catch the bad guys, and it's real cute. <laughs> Everyone should watch that show; it's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, sorry, um, I also think that the whole chapter, her, she's a weird attitude about killing in general, and Mm -hmm. she's also focusing on the wrong thing, like, she's so narrowly focused in on Carden, because he's, like, right in front of her, and she cannot see the bigger picture of the coronation, all of these other moving parts that are happening around her, and she's just, I was getting real strong Katniss vibes this chapter, where she's just, like, so fixated on one thing that really does not matter and is not aware of the entire world that's happening around her, and it just becomes very cavalier about things, um, and is also just, in general, very off-putting, not very charming, just we'll do whatever they need to do to, like, keep moving forward. We'll just not think about it. She's, like, the opposite of a Mary Sue. Yeah. She is not the perfect character. She is a completely imperfect character in all the wrong ways. (laughs) Like, the polar opposite of Mary Sue. I think that's so funny. Exactly. Um, No, so true. Uh, and then, this is a small one, but where she gets a necklace to sort of, like, cover up the bruises on her neck, it reminds me of, um, Caroline and Andy in The Vampire Diaries, where they tie, like, little scarves around their necks to hide their vampire (laughs) bites. Yeah. Or just in general, if you're a teenage girl tying, tying, (laughs) (laughs) that too. (laughs) I don't watch a lot of pop culture anymore, or read a lot of pop culture where hickeys are like a thing. Yeah, I'm kind of happy that's like a passe that died out in the '80s. Like we're done with that. No, we don't like that. Um, going back to Maddox, flesh-eating horses (laughs) for a second. We didn't talk about this enough. (laughs) We did not. Uh, But it's directly related to the mares of Diomedes from Greek mythology, uh, which were, that was Hercules' eighth labor. He had to steal them Mm -hmm. from Diomedes. Um, And then in the Percy Jackson books, which is how I know about most of this stuff, Percy Jackson (laughs) has to go to Diomedes and, like, get the mares and he well he doesn't have to steal them diomedes just says that he has to clean that clean their stalls but they're flesh-eating horses like they will kill you if you get near them right so you need to be in a safe radius so percy ends up being able to like call the power of the sea out of a seashell and like getting all of the muck out of this out of the stalls and so he completes his task um so it just kind of reminded me like that that it's like doing your stuff from a safe distance 
You know, mm-hmm. even burying a body, cleaning the stalls, all the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> and then also a Greek reference, but the fact that Jude's dad was like bragging about the skills that he learned in fairy, if he would have read any Greek mythology, <laughs> he would know. He would know. <laughs> you don't brag oh about besting the gods. And fairies are gods in this situation. (laughs) Like, you do not brag about them, because then you turn into Arachne, who brags that she's better (laughs) than Athena at weaving, and that's why we have spiders. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. (laughs) And she's also in the Percy Jackson books, so. He spent spent too much time in his forge. Seriously. Didn't read enough. Did not read enough. Okay, that's, that's all that I had. Wow. I know, not that many this time, but I I tried really hard to just I was, I was still really from chapter eighteen. Seriously. I I, I like blasted through chapter nineteen. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 what? Like the fact that there's so much like the flesh eating horses, she's killing a messenger. Like there's so many little details in here that we're kind of missing mm-hmm. because of the bigger things that are happening and it's just impossible to focus on them all at once no it's so true it is overload i don't even know how she's alive right now (laughs) i get one assignment that's due like on the same day as another assignment and i am like murdering myself meanwhile she's out here with three kills on her list and like completely fine true okay (laughs) true uh all right so let's get into our mvps you go first no i went first last time you go first okay well i'm claiming oriana that's fair (laughs) i figured you would i mean come on she is giving us a backstory like now we kind of understand she is not trustworthy because she has been in court like she knows that people aren't she can't trust people she can only trust herself and Mm -hmm. there's more to her story that we clearly don't know about Mm -hmm. like as i was saying like why is she in the family of maddock like what is it like is she actually attracted to maddock or is this just a defensive kind of thing is it a strategic thing like maybe she can give him insider information about the court true and then he can offer her protection that's a great point it's super interesting yeah i I think that she kind of as i said like she she kind of cares for the girls and i think we're getting there in her own way she just doesn't know how to show it right (laughs) exactly yeah that's completely fair um what are you gonna say i i figured you would want to pick oriana which is why i wanted you to go (laughs) first um but I also agree that she's, like, definitely the best part of, of these chapters. I am, am debating between t- two characters. So, first off, I, my first ch- potential choice is Cardin. He's not really in these chapters a ton. <laughs> yeah. But the sass against one of his best friends is just like so important to me it is loud it It is is very loud i love it so much that he's just like because we're also starting we're really starting to see like he's gonna put jude over his friends she doesn't understand that yet but we're starting to see it as readers and so i'm like very intrigued by it 
Um, and so I'm interested to see how that story develops. My other option is Maddox for being such a good dad. Like, ruffling her hair. You keep choosing Maddox. <laughs> well, that's why I, I said for you. That's why I'm debating between the two because, you know, I don't want to have to choose Maddox for a fourth time. But I kind of want to choose Maddox for a fourth time. Okay, I mean, it's up to you. Uh, no, I think I'm you're gonna... going to make him the MVP of the entire book just by you alone. I know, and that's I'm trying not to do that. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Cardin because okay. you know what? I appreciate good sass. I really do. Uh... And I didn't want to do Vivi again because I did Vivi last episode. So, gotta mix it up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, Julia. Your book wine review corner. This is going to be another 8 out of 10. I'm comparing it to a petite Syrah. Darkest red wine. I'm pretty sure it's like the darkest red wine that you can get. It is full-bodied, explosive, whole lot going on because you get the fruity and you get those like darky, woody kind Mm -hmm. of chemical aftertaste to it. You know, not unlike blood. (laughs) Petite Syrah um, is one of my favorite wines. <laughs> it, it's, it's well, I think that they also say that the darker you go, the healthier the wine. So it's also healthy. <laughs> there you Amazing. Go. I know. Win-win. It's like chocolate. Um, But there, yeah, it tastes like chocolate. It's a dark, woody wine. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot going on. There's a lot to digest. And then also, just like with the Petite Syrah, the longer that you leave it to air... The more you think about the chapters that we have just read, the more it starts to, you know, affect you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It is an explosive petite syrah from, I would say, from California. Um, it's not a traditional, by any means, not yeah. a traditional wine. <laughs> yeah. There. Still one of my favorites. I love petite syrahs. <laughs> Uh, okay, for my wine review, I'm, I think I'm going to go for a 3 out of 10. Because, like... There's a lot of angst in these chapters, but it's definitely not whiny or unnecessary. Like, Jude doesn't do enough mm-hmm. angsting in these chapters. She, she we need wine more. We need more out of her. We need her to process her emotions a little bit more. Um, most of the 3 out of 10 is coming from Valerian for being dumb. Mm-hmm. And the ghost for being yeah. like, they tricked us. <laughs> That's how I imagine he sounds. Is that wrong? Okay. <laughs> sure, no. Um. I don't know. I imagine they all have weird voices. I Just yeah. fairies, you know? Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm going to go 3 out of 10. Pretty low because, like, honestly, there wasn't a ton of whining or angst in, in these chapters. And there really needed to be more. Because mm-hmm. it would not have been unwarranted. Um, but... Yeah, nope. so just for Valerian. Valerian gets three points. <laughs> Congrats, Valerian. <laughs> Go out with a bang. Go out with a bang. Oh, God. Go out with a whimper. <laughs> True. Okay, well, that is pretty much it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed all the murders this week. <laughs> so fun <laughs> and frightening. 
Uh, if you want to talk to us about the book or talk to us about any other books that you're interested in or have suggestions, want suggestions, whatever it may be, feel free to email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at unnecessaryangstpod and on Twitter at unangstpod. Uh, so come talk to us there. Talk to us about the book. Talk to us about anything, really. We're always happy to listen. And, uh... We'll talk to you all next week, talking about chapter, I think just chapter 20, but who knows? Maybe we're, we're talking about more than that. I don't know. We'll see. It's just, we have a lot. And um, chapter 20. And end on chapter 20. The end of chapter No, Oh, so we're going to be talking about the coronation next week, so hope everyone's yeah. excited. Buckle up. From here on out, it is a wild ride. A bee ride. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to experience this for the first time. Um. Anyways, so we'll talk to you all soon. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.